0: You're listening to the Conversations podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. It doesn't work that way in the world. It's it's yeah. you earn. You yeah. earn it. You know, you you have to achieve, you have to accomplish, you have to have the right look, you have to have the right athletic ability, you have to have the right artistic ability. God's flipping that on its head and he said, look, I'm gonna take a flawed man who hasn't earned anything and I'm gonna promise him that there will be blessing as a result of that. And it applies to all of us the same way. Welcome to The
1: Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, here today with Sean Stover. Sean, thanks for being here. Love being here. It's great. Awesome. Well, you had a great message yesterday, continuing the His Story uh, summer teaching series about God's faithfulness, and this week focused on God's promise. So I kind of want to start just by first asking kind of what were some things going through your head as you were preparing for this message, as you got kind of the asked to do a message on the promise?
0: Yeah, just being honest, Taylor, I, I was a little intimidated. I'm not an Old Testament scholar. You know, my, my training, you know, a little bit of it is really more counseling and psychology in, in applying scripture in people's lives. Yeah. And so primarily I go to the New Testament for that because right, right. of what Jesus did for us and because of the teachings of Paul and when those are applied in our life, they help us to live, you know, a more fulfilling life, more peace centered life, more joy filled life. So that's where most of my study comes. And so when lead pastor Jose says, hey, we're going to dig into the Old Testament, I'm like, oh, great. Bob Moss (laughs) is going to be awesome at that. Jose's got working on his PhD in theology. You know, They're going to be, or D-men or whatever it is they do. And I'm thinking, these scholars are going to knock this out of the park. And he's like, well, I'm going to need you to do the promise. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. Is that in, I guess, I know it's the front of the Bible. I'll start there. So a little exaggeration, but not a lot. I mean, I'm just—I'm not as skilled in in those areas and, and as seasoned in that. So, uh, the good thing is, it, it just made me study more. You know, yeah, it made yeah. me really dig in. It made me pray that the Lord would kind of help give me His Word um, for this this Sunday yesterday. And it it made me uh, really want to understand commentaries and and consult with some people. So I, I talked to some folks too around the topic and. Uh, so I'm not sure how it came across, hey, but was uh, that it was, was my backstory to what was going on. Awesome.
1: Well, yeah, no, you did great. And I thought maybe today we just kind of unpack, you had three points that you kind of emphasized when it came out of this uh, story of Abram and Abraham. And so uh, I think the first one that I'd love to touch on is this idea that God chooses you, that God has chosen us. I love the analogy used of kind of amidst all the craziness and Google Google Earth as far as seeing the whole world. And then you can zoom in on your house and just the way that God does that uh, just with each one of us. And so I think not only that, but even thinking about compared to the world and how the world is constantly telling us different things than what we're reading yeah. about in the word.
0: Yeah, it, it is so counterintuitive. And that's what made the promise so significant in the Old Testament to show God's faithfulness. Because what he was saying was, I, I'm gonna love this man, Abram, individually. I'm gonna love his descendants. I'm gonna bless his descendants. And from that ultimately will come Jesus who, uh, blesses us all, and we're we're all blessed through the promise that was made to to Abram. Um, but this choice, that the fact that we are chosen, because the world just it doesn't work that way in the world. It's it's yeah. you earn you yeah. earn it. You know, you, you have to achieve, you have to accomplish, you have to have the right look, you have to have the right athletic ability, you have to have the right artistic ability, you have to have the right leadership skills to earn the right to be chosen for a team or chosen for a, a play, a part in a play, or chosen for uh, a promotion at work. Yeah. And God's flipping that on its head. And he said, look, I'm going to take a flawed man who hasn't earned anything and I'm going to promise him that there will be blessing as a result of that. And it applies to all of us the same way. We uh, we were chosen. I mean, it, I can't get my mind around it to yeah. tell you the truth, that this creator of the universe looks past everything and sees me. And then that, if I really even understood that, it would scare me because I would be like, he's seeing me. Goodness, yeah. I'm screwing up all the time. He's seeing me, seeing me raise my voice at my kids or think selfish thoughts instead of loving things toward my wife. And and he's like, no, no, I, yeah, yeah. It's not that I don't see those things, but what I see when I look at you, Sean, is your heart. And I know mm-hmm. what I knit together and what I put in there and I chose you. And um, man, that's just not the way the world does it, but yeah. <laughs> man, Thank the Lord. It's how he does it. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
1: What would you say to someone who uh, they, they could be in the church either for a few days or a few years and maybe just based on their own earthly relationships, they've heard kind of what you mentioned, this idea of like, they may have heard word for word that they're not good enough to be chosen, whether it's by their parents or whether it's by someone close to them. How does someone kind of try to rethink that as far as just with their earthly relationships in terms of, of, of kind of how God sees them in that way?
0: You know, I think it's simpler for those of us that have had really good parents, that have had a good mom and dad, because we know that we've screwed up and our mom and dad has still loved us. Yeah. Um, even they, they might have disciplined us or been frustrated with us, but right. they didn't stop loving us or providing for us or caring for us. And uh, so it's easier for us to understand God's love because of that yeah. and the fact that um, you know our parents would choose us over and over again if they could. Um not everybody's had that experience. And I think that people, unfortunately, don't have a great father figure in their life or have a mom who's consistent and comforting and loving. Um, this is a harder concept for them because we do get a little bit of our experience of who God is through the people around us. Mm-hmm. And that that's part of his His plan. Right. Um, but when we fall short as humans and we fall short as parents, then we rob our kids of that example. And so for somebody listening Maybe they didn't get that experience or didn't have that. Um, I would just pray that they would be open to the thought that what if there really is a loving father out -hmm. there? What if there is somebody out there who created them the way they are, loves what he created, and desires intimate relationship with them? And that might be scary because maybe they've never had that before. And so, the walls are easier and, and a little safer than opening yeah. Up, um, but man, the risk in opening up—it's like any significant relationship. Uh, it's scary, but the risk we take to open up sometimes produces some amazing interaction and some amazing intimacy and, and fruit to that relationship. And uh, man, I've never seen anybody open to the Lord uh, who didn't end up walking away feeling more joy and more peace. And so I would say, despite what you've experienced in Earth on your in your relationships. Take a chance and see what happens. Mm, That's good. That's good.
1: One other part you mentioned, and not just that God chooses us, but He pursues us, and you kind of tack
0: that into that first point there. What's so significant about yeah. a God that not only chooses us but pursues us? Yeah. So I, I thought I used the analogy in the in the sermon uh, a little bit of you know middle school playing basketball yeah. and trying out and the nervousness I had, and uh, you know my name eventually making it at the very bottom of the list on the B team, but it was on the page, so that was good. There were kids who, who didn't get that, and I was kind of half expecting to be that kid. But think about how different that experience is from – What if the coach had actually, I I had been so, so wanted that the coach actually would have just called me. He would have showed up at my house and said, hey, I was going to put it on the piece of paper, but I want you to know, I want you on the team so badly that, you know, I'll put it at the top of the page, but I'm here personally to tell you. I mean, like it's, it's almost that level of desire that God has for relationship for us. It's like, no, no, it's not just that I wrote your name in this book of life or, you know, it's, it's that I'm. Here, knocking at the door of your heart, desiring connection with you, and so that level of pursuit, uh, you know, if you've ever, you know, had a friend you haven't heard from in a long time, but somebody that meant a lot to you, and then just out of the blue, you you got a text or you got a call, and they said, "Hey, I'm just thinking of you, praying for you, wanted to encourage you. you." You know what that does in your heart or your spirit? I mean, it's nice to get those those sentiments on your birthday. Um, But man, when it just comes out of the blue, it's just like, man, that person took time to pursue you for that moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what God does every moment, this Mm -hmm. pursuit. And and, because we run, we run from Him, we hide from Him. I mean, I was hiding in a bar in Denton, Texas 29 years ago from him, and he pursued me enough to introduce me to a woman who between her and her mom would lead me to the lord i mean his pursuit mm-hmm. th- there is relentless and it it's never ending and there are no limits to mm-hmm. where he will go to 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 find somebody uh anybody everybody because that's how he loves yeah That's great. That's great.
1: And this second point, moving on to the second point you made about how our response should be obedience. And I think this is where you kind of begin to introduce this concept of faith and just kind of acting out of faith, even when you don't know, just like with Abram and Abraham, like it's like, he didn't know where he was going necessarily, but he was taking that step of faith. Uh, How do we do that amidst a world that is making sure that we don't do anything without knowing either the consequences or the reward of every step we take?
0: Yeah, it's almost a a negative word in our culture today, obedience, right? I mean, conformity, obedience, Mm -hmm. you know, those are words that are like, no, 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 don't be that person, don't, you know, and and the reality is, there's something that happens when we're obedient, It, it says... Uh, in the New Testament, you know Jesus says to his followers, "He's like, I- I'll know the ones who who love me by by their obedience," yeah. and it's it's our response to being. Loved and provided for. Now, our flesh and our fallen nature, Bob talked about the fall last week. And our fallen nature is the opposite. It's like, we wanna disobey. We don't wanna be told what to do. And in any any given moment, that's the battle going on inside us. It's like, do we we wanna choose to respond to the love of God with obedience? Or do we want to respond in our fallenness with disobedience? And that choice moment by moment happens in our lives. Um, and you nailed it, Taylor, when you said that the reality is it's it's easier to be obedient when you can see the consequence. Right. Like, all right, right, so if I'm obedient here, I know that you know, if, if I, if I go to bed at, at, a little earlier to tonight, I know I'm gonna be fresher in the morning. So right. I'm gonna be obedient to go to bed. That makes logical sense to us. Right. You know? But when I tell that to my eight-year-old, he's like, well, I'm just missing out on stuff tonight. He's not even thinking about tomorrow. Um, and that's a lot of times how I act when God asks, calls me to obedience. I act like a little eight-year-old. You know. And I'm like, no, this is what I want right now. And God's like, well, you can't even see the benefits of surrendering to my plan for your life. Right now. And, um, you know, I, I've failed miserably at that many times. I, I do remember, though, specifically, Christina and I were living in San Angelo, Texas with our family, had built a comfortable life. My parents owned a ranch not far away. Her parents lived in the town. Our um, brother, her Her sister and brother-in-law lived there in town. Kids were being raised together. We thought we'd created everything we wanted. Mm. And uh, we read a book um, by John Ortberg called If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. Mm. And the whole concept was... The only way to do spectacular things is to take risks. you know. And Peter obviously ultimately fell, but man, yeah. he walked on water yeah. because he was willing to take the risk of getting out of the safety and comfort of the boat. Yeah. And uh, so we did, we heard God call us out of that town and it didn't make any sense to us, but it was one moment I can point to and I point my kids back to and I say, look, in obedience, in faith, we, we we moved to Branson, Missouri, Hillbilly, Las Vegas. Like what in the world? But that's where God called us. And now I can look back 20 years past that and see, man, that He opened doors for me to do ministry I never would have had, to get to, get to meet people I never would have, to get to experience things that there's no way would have ever happened in Saint Angelo and, and provide opportunities for my family and my kids that never would have happened. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I can point back to that. And I hope that, you know, for the people listening out there, you can point back to something where you took yeah. a risk. You heard God saying something and, and it didn't make sense, but in obedience, you just took a little step. And then think about what the consequences long term were mm-hmm. of that. And you know, I don't know if you're there yet, Taylor. But if you do that a few times, it, it, it kind of starts to build confidence. It, yeah. It's it's a growing of your faith, and so I would encourage everybody to take the time to do that. Have you ever
1: yes. had something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just even think about. I think people will point back to the spring is a very chaotic and just uncertain time. And I remember just thinking that, uh, just my young, uh, old age of 27 and just thinking back about, this is one of those kind of crazy moments where no one knows what's happening. And so it's not just on an individual basis, but on a global basis. Cause I think, uh, as whether it's as a generation or just a culture, we look to the, the leaders of the world to give us a sense of kind of, you know, peace or purpose and comfort. And so when they didn't know anything, it was like, oh crap, like, oh, who else am I looking to? (laughs) And so I remember like having to really kind of intentionally uh, think back to, okay, God is the same God today as he was yesterday and a year ago and two years. And so as I think back in my own life and the way that he's been faithful and uh, yeah, it, it definitely, it, it works. And I think even just biblically seeing that how in the New Testament people are, you know you even mentioned it yesterday, but just referring Paul and others are referring back to God's faithfulness with the Israelites in the Old Testament because he was the same mm-hmm. God then as he is now. And so, yeah, yeah it really does. Yeah, help with
0: that. It, it, it does. I, and I remember I caught a little of a story you Talking to somebody else about just even through these last several months, how it it sounded like Taylor, you were saying that in obedience, you kind of handled your finances according to the way God had had called you to, even though you had a job that wasn't completely stable. So you were really obedient. And then that ended up, you didn't know maybe why you were saving what you were saving back when you were, (laughs) but it's paid dividends now in this season when things are a little more unstable. So just got to hold on to all of those little reminders. Uh, God does that, you know. He, he calls His people to do that, and we'll get to that later in this study. I think of, yeah. of His faithfulness mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, but times where He's actually asked people to put markers in place and say, "Remember, yeah. my faithfulness to you because of your obedience in this season." So that when things get hard, you point back to that, and you're like, "Well, remember how He did it last time? Let's let's try that formula yeah. again." Yeah. Seriously, that's good, good.
1: And this third point here, God desires to bless you. So I think, again, kind of comparing this to what the world's message is, this idea that, you know, what does blessing even mean? So maybe that may be the first question, Sean, Is kind of unpack that because I think the world kind of tries to define that for us.
0: You know, and a lot of times, Taylor, when I say the world, I'm referring to to the lost secular world, right? Um, Unfortunately, in this topic, when I'm referring to the world, I'm also referring to people that I think probably are believers and really have a personal relationship with Jesus. But I think they may be misinterpreting what blessing really means from the Lord. Um, Because in my opinion, at least illustrated clearly in this story with Abram, his blessing was, I will be with you. like I will be present with you. We're going to go from this land you're in to a new land that you've never seen or heard of, Mm -hmm. where you don't know anybody, and you're going to be lonely. But I I will be with you, and then I will be with your descendants, and I will be with their descendants, and then I will be with all people through my son Jesus. And so this blessing that's referred to in this section that we've covered of the promise in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, is referring to God's presence. And and uh, the world would kind of define blessings sometimes otherwise, you know well yeah. it, am I getting materially? Am I getting what I want out of life do I, Do I live in the size house I want to live in and man, I really would love to be blessed with a new car and man, if God would bless me with a spouse, that would make my life complete or if if he would just bless me with kids that are you know obedient to me and you know look good in public <laughs> so they don 't embarrass me man, that would be a blessing and We get preachers teaching on that, you know. Hey, here's the exact formula to pray so that God will be forced to bless you. Man, God's in my opinion not manipulatable. Um, He hears our prayers and he desires for us to have, uh, you know, peace and joy in our life. Um, And he does bless people materially, and he does bless them with kids and spouses and all. And those are worth praying for. Um, But when you boil it down, at the end of the day, I think what people Really, need to understand is that God's blessing primarily is his presence in our life. Hmm. I was thinking earlier that, you know, when my parents, my dad's getting toward the end of his life, I, my mom died when I was really young. And uh, if you ask me, you know, well, man, what do you wish your mom would have given? You, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, I wish she would have given me money. I wish I would have inherited more from her. I wish she would have left me a really great car. It's like, man, I, I would love to have one more year with my mom. You know, my dad's getting uh, up in age and thankfully still healthy and we still get to hang out. I I don't want anything from him other than time Mm. and presence. Mm. And if we're really honest, when it comes to the Heavenly Father, why not the same thing? What we really want is His presence because His presence is comforting. I mean, what a blessing that is.
1: Yeah,
0: that's good. That's good.
1: What about for someone that... They hear that and they know, okay, God is God is around. God wants to be with me. But you mentioned this yesterday, just even this idea that we run and we don't feel like we can be around God, and so we go to wrong places or we just try to hide from Him, just like even Adam and Eve in the garden, just trying to hide. So, so what do you say to someone who's like, I, I don't, I, I, God doesn't want to be around me, or maybe he, he says He does, but really, if He knew what I've
0: done, that that wouldn't mm-hmm. be there. Yeah. Boy, that's a great tactic of the enemy, right there. You know, to create guilt and shame in us to the extent that we don't feel worthy or good enough for God. Well, here's the great news: we're not worthy, and we're not good enough, and we are guilty, and there are things we probably are ashamed of, and yet still, mm-hmm. God desires to be with us. Yeah. Um, I, I can't even get my mind around it, Taylor. I I know you're not there yet. I pray someday you have some kiddos and, and you're parenting them. Um, you can help them figure out complex word sentences like you did such a great job with yesterday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> In the introduction. Um, but man, I have kids and they screw up, um, sometimes small, sometimes bigger, but I can't imagine a screw up that would make me not want to be with them. Nice. I just can't. Um I can fathom major screw-ups on their part. Um, there's nothing that would want me to not be present with mm-hmm. them. And and that's, that's just a small, small glimpse uh, or metaphor for how God feels about us. He created us and we're His. Mm-hmm. And uh, He loves being with us. There's nothing that we can do. So, I, I think... A lot of times people think, if I, I got to get my act together. And once I get my act together, God will want to be with me. Right. And it's really not... That way, it's, we're never going to get our act together good enough. I used to tell that to Christine all the time. I'm like, look, we can have kids once we get everything. Once we get everything figured out in our marriage and once financially we're stable, we should start having kids. And she's like, well, we'll be ninety-seven, and I don't think you know unless God's going to do one of those Abram things with you, we're not going to be able to have kids then. So, and she was right, you know. We, you can't wait till you have it all figured out or you have yeah. it right, and uh, you don't need to do that with God. God wants your mess. He wants you as you are. Mm. Billy Graham used to end all of his crusades, you know, you know, just "Come as you are, mm. come as you are," um, and that's how God wants us. He's just yeah. come as you are. Mistakes, flaws. Abram was very flawed. Yeah. The next several chapters, he does some really silly, stupid things that seem immoral and inappropriate to yeah. me as I read them. And yet still, this was the man that God chose. And uh, I do plenty of immoral and stupid things. And people listening out there are probably like, no, 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 Sean, you, you and Taylor, y'all are in a, y'all are in a church, y'all are, but you haven't done the stuff we've done. We, maybe we haven't, but there's nothing you've done that would separate you from God mm-hmm. because he wants you. That's good,
1: that's good. And tagging on to one more piece you mentioned as far as in that third, as well as summing it all up, this concept of generations and just kind of the future generations and the ability for us to invest in generations. So maybe just kind of, could you unpack that just a little bit more and maybe for someone that, like me who doesn't have kids, like what what does that look like and how do I impact
0: future generations? There's a really interesting study that was done by a Princeton uh, sociologist about two families. And uh, one was the Edwards family. And so this Edwards man back in the late 1700s was the president of Princeton. It was actually called like New Jersey College or something, but it it was what became Princeton University. And uh, this man made a vow that every day he would spend at least an hour with his children in addition to his responsibilities running a university and writing. And he tracked his descendants. And there was like 1,400 known descendants from this man in the 1700s and his wife. And it's an evidence of this generational thing that we're talking about. It's worth looking up, Edwards and and Juke. So Edwards, uh, this man, had the 1,300-something descendants. I mean, the number of... I mean, there was a vice president of the United States. I mean, hundreds of college faculty and professors college presidents lawyers doctors people who contributed and then they compared it to a contemporary at the time a a man named jukes who was married had kids um, but was alcoholic and would disappear for days at a time from his family no investment in his kids and they tracked his descendants and they only come up with about 600 and of that 600 uh, man, there were murderers. Um, by far, the majority were in jail. Most mm-hmm. of his um, female kind of offspring and for generations were, were prostitutes. It was just tragic, mm-hmm. and uh, it just shows that the investment that we make does have long term effects. We, we don't like to, we we're a, we're an instant gratification society, yeah. Yeah. and it only matters what's happening in the here and now. <laughs> but the decisions and the actions we take today. Matter for generations. And the Bible says that in the Old Testament. Sociologists have proven that fact. And, uh, you know, my grandparents did things that affect me still today. Um, Christina's grandparents, I tell the story sometimes. Her grandfather was shot down and out of an airplane as a tail gunner in World War II and survived four plus years in a prison of war camp. Um, just because of the state of his will, the power of his willpower and his relationship with the Lord and uh, made it back home, thankfully, because it was only making it back home that allowed him to have a baby that's Christina's mom so that Christina's here and that she wouldn't be here. Well, that's that's a generational impact, the wow. perseverance that he showed um, and it, it bleeds through into all of his descendants. And so I think we just need to be aware that we're making decisions today that affect more than us, the people around us as well. That's good.
1: That's good. And just the impact that it doesn't have to be just be your immediate family, but just those that God has put around you and put on your heart too. That's big. Absolutely. That's yeah. good. Well, Sean, as we kind of wrap up this kind of message on promise and God's promises, kinda of, is there any
0: closing things you want to leave us with? Yeah, well, I, I love the series. I, I love that we started with creation and, and the fact that everybody is created in God's image and that we first have to know that about ourselves and accept ourselves as we are because this is what God made. And then we got to love the people around us because they were created in His image as well. And then just the Bible doesn't pull punches. I mean, we we blew it. We were deceived. And in that deception, we made choices and those choices produced sin and fear. And Bob covered that really well in the fall. And then here we, and, and then we get the start of God's coming back toward us, his pursuit of us, his graciousness toward us, despite that. Um, and that's where the promise comes in. Is the, the promise is, I will be with you. I will bless you. Um, and he has, and he does. So, Uh, I love where we're headed. I think next week, Jose is gonna talk about uh, Joseph and and redemption and what that looks like, um, which will be fantastic. But specifically here, yeah, wrapping up this time around the promise. That promise was to Abram a long time ago. uh, And that promise is still to us today. God is with us and God desires to bless your descendants and everyone around you. If you're listening to this podcast, God desires to bless you and your descendants with his presence and His love, and His peace, and His joy, and His comfort. And uh, we get to receive that. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.